It's Wednesday, January 24th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynes, the Hall of Fame has welcomed three new members elected by the Baseball Writers Association of America. Adrian Beltre, Joe Maurer, and Todd Helton all get in. Uh, Beltre and Maurer become first ballot Hall of Famers. And uh, Maurer, or I'm sorry, uh, Helton finally uh, gets in after uh, several years on the ballot, uh, just missing uh, are uh, Billy Wagner and Gary Sheffield. Uh, Wagner misses by a total of five votes. Uh, Sheffield by a little more than 50 votes. Uh, so it looks like, you know, potentially next year Wagner could get in with uh, Ichiro and maybe even CC Sabathia, uh, who will be first time eligible next season. Uh, but uh, just looking at this year's class, uh, do you think the writers got it right? Yeah, I think I think it was a it was a pretty good uh, ballot, Joe. I mean, three guys getting in, you know, that's that's a good class. You know, Beltre was a no brainer, got nine over ninety five percent of the vote. Uh, Helton, you know, was um, you know this it was uh, Helton was on his um, what on his sixth year on the ballot. Uh, he was at what 72.2 percent last year, so he gets in at 79.7 percent. Maurer gets in on first ballot, 76.1 uh, percent. Joe, he made it by four votes, mm-hmm. so uh, that was a close call for him, but well deserved. Um, and you feel bad for Wagner, you know, he's uh, this is his uh, this next year will be his tenth and final year on the ballot, and he just misses by five votes. Right. And, you know, the way things go, I think uh, it, it, it it's pretty safe to say that that, that Wagner should feel pretty confident uh, heading into the process next year that that he can get in on his last uh, last attempt. But we you know, we've seen stranger things. I mean, we saw that he lost five votes this year uh, that he had had in, in, in the previous year. And, uh, you know, or I'm sorry, he lost three of those votes uh, that that, uh, you know, vo- voters who had, who had voted for him the year before uh, now suddenly change their mind and say he's he's not a Hall of Famer. Uh, what what changed between, uh, from from one year to the next? Uh, don't kind of I kind of don't understand that. And he winds up missing by five votes. He still he still would have come up two votes short. But uh, those three are, are sort of head scratchers, I guess. Yeah, Joe. And, it you know, there's no telling how voters will vote. Uh, you you get ten vo- you can vote for as many as ten players on the ballot. Uh, a lot of play a lot of voters don't. Uh, you know some guys just vote for two or three. Uh, maybe uh, you know if a if a you know if they if they like a new player that makes that is appearing on the ballot for the first time, they can change a vote for, from a guy that they've been voting consistently for. So you know it's a uh, it's a, it's a vote. Everyone has an opinion. And, uh, you know, it, the, the, the thing about it, the thing you feel bad is, you know, usually a player is a Hall of Famer or he's not a Hall of Famer. You know, his stats aren't going to change. These guys are all been retired for five years. So, you know, it, it you know, you're, they're kind of at the mercy, the whims of, uh, you know, 400 slash voters. And uh, those, you know, that's they can be fickle. Yeah, I, I guess that, that that does make sense, and and I think uh, you know if you know in the, in the age of tracking votes and and seeing how the votes come in and knowing uh, you know private and public ballots and things like that, uh, maybe uh, one or two of those voters that that change their mind on on Helton, um, 
you know, thought, oh, well, he's going to get in this year anyways, so I'm going to use one of my votes to boost somebody else who I don't think is, is you know, was going to get enough votes or maybe to stay on a ballot. And that's why you see some some different things there. But, you know, uh, still, I and I know that you take your responsibility in, in filling out a ballot very seriously. I, I've talked to some other voters who, who, who are the same way. Uh, do you think that, you know, there there are a, a couple of guys, uh, you know, in that voting electorate there who who should probably reread the uh, the instructions once or twice? Well, you know, I guess I, you know, I can't speak for those guys. Uh, you know, you have to take it's 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 a privilege to vote for for the Hall of Fame. It's it's not easy. You know, they're uh, you know, you have to uh, make some judgments. And, uh, you know, if if and if you don't feel like voting, you know, if you're going to just be casual about it, you can uh, you can request not to be on the list. It's It's simple as that. So. Uh, you know, you don't want to hand in a blank ballot, but you cannot vote if you if you don't want to. And uh, so you, you should take it serious. And I think, you know, the majority, I would say the majority of, of voters do, Joe. Uh, Victor Martinez, uh, Bartolo Colon, Brandon Phillips uh, all failed to receive the required 5 percent and uh, fell off the ballot uh, after one year. Uh, guys like Manny Ramirez, uh, Alex Rodriguez. Uh, and Omar uh, Vizquel all saw the, all saw their percentages drop slightly. Uh, wh- what do you think that says about uh, you know what the it, what the collective thought of the uh, the voting uh, public there is 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 saying with those sort of results, those trends? Yeah, I think uh, well with with A Rod and Ramirez, you know that they have still uh, you know they're attached to steroids. Um, and I don't think you're really not going to see their their vote total change that much. There's a certain amount of uh, voters that are going to keep continue to vote for them. You know, Manny received 32.5 percent of the vote this year. Last year was 33.2 percent. You know, so that's pretty consistent. Uh, a Rod. Uh, 34.8 percent of the vote this year, 35.7 last year. Uh, even uh, Sheffield, who uh, you know was on his last uh, last year in the ballot, um, you know his his vote total jumped from 55 to 63.9 percent, but he still missed. And uh, you know he's been you know he's been uh, you know fair or not he's been tainted by the steroid allegations. So I think you know in the end that kind of really you know um, prevented him from getting elected by the writers. You know he made a surge toward the end there. You know the last few years on the ballot, but it wasn't enough. Yeah. So uh, you know with that surge in, in in the last couple of years and with that high. Higher uh, percentage, uh, you know, close to getting in on his last ballot uh, in, in two to three years, uh, you know, depending on the cycle for the uh, the era committee. I mean, he could be a guy who they, the era committee takes a look at uh, down the road and, and maybe uses that as a as sort of a, a case to, to get in uh, via the era committee. Yeah, uh, no doubt about it. It, it depends, um, you know. The the era committee is made up, you know, writers, historians, Hall of Famers, and uh, you know, executives, and uh, that's a little different mix of voters, and perhaps uh, they'll be more lenient because Sheffield certainly has the stats, Joe, mm-hmm. over 500 home runs, uh, 500 home runs. He played 22 years, um, you know, eight eight times 
he hit 30 in eight seasons. He had 30 or more home runs. And in uh, 14 times, he had 20 or more home runs in a season. So, you know, this is a guy who's, whose statistics certainly belong in Cooperstown. Uh, but, uh, you know, he has not uh, convinced enough people, I guess, to a uh, vote for him. Right. And that's, uh, you know, I, it, 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 there's those those magical numbers that 500 home runs you, you used to be. Used to say 500 home runs, and that was like an automatic. You're you're in the Hall of Fame. Uh, eventually, it's it's just a matter of time. Uh, but now, uh, you know, some of those some of those stats seem a little bit, you know, more watered down. Obviously, but uh, you know, still 500 home runs is is quite a, quite a few. I think uh, you know you got to take a look at that, and you know maybe the error committee will be a little bit more forgiving of uh, of Sheffield's transgressions. Uh, you know. Wanted to mention here uh, at this point our uh, our subscription uh, text service uh, subtext. Uh, Hoinsey was right on top of it as soon as the uh, announcement was made on the Hall of Famers. He was texting our subtexters, getting their reactions and their responses to who did and who didn't make it to the Hall of Fame. It was a lot of fun uh, to read their responses. Uh, and and you know a, a guy like uh, Joe Maurer, who you know Cleveland fans were very familiar with playing against uh, for so many years. Uh, with the twins, uh, the reactions were were pretty strong one way or another about uh, Maurer getting in on the first ballot. Uh, subtext is a great way to uh, to stay updated on uh, all the baseball news uh, and particularly how it affects the Guardians. It's $3.99 a month, and you can subscribe by going to cleveland.com slash subtext or by sending a text message to 216-208-4346. And while you're at it, uh, you know, jump over uh, listening to uh, podcasts. Make sure you uh, check out Cleveland.com's newest uh, food and drink uh, podcast uh, hosted by Josh Duke and Alex Darris. Uh, they are joined by, uh, you know, all of our experts like Mark Bona, Paris Wolf, Peachy Carrion. Uh, it's called Dine and Drink CLE, and uh, it's uh, you can find it anywhere you download podcasts. Uh, jump in there, give it a listen, and uh, you know, figure out where you're going to dinner tonight. Uh, good, uh, good way to to pick a restaurant or uh, uh, your favorite bar. Uh, Hoinsey, on the news side of things, a uh, couple of a uh, couple of moves uh, over the the last 24 hours. Uh, biggest, uh, I, I think the the headliner is Reese Hoskins, uh, first baseman, uh, formerly with the uh, Philadelphia Phillies. He was a free agent. He signs a a uh, two-year deal with an opt-out after the first year, uh, more than $30 million, I believe, uh, for uh, Hoskins to play in Milwaukee. Uh, a lot of people had him uh, going to Chicago, playing for the Cubs. Uh, there was sort of a need there, an opening there, and uh, Hoskins says, uh, I'm going to go to the rival. Uh, and uh, You know, uh, Craig Council leaves Milwaukee, goes to the Cubs. Uh, Reese Hoskins, uh, instead of going to the Cubs, goes to the Brewers. Uh, what do you think of the move to to get Hoskins there in Milwaukee? Yeah, it's going to help, Joe. Uh, you know, he missed all the last season with an ACL injury to his knee, his left knee. Um, so, uh, you know, I guess uh, we'll, 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 we'll have to see how he comes back from that. But, uh, you know, a good hitter, you know, really, uh, you know, established himself with the, with the Phillies. Uh, I mean, a similar deal than uh, as the Josh Bell deal, you know, two years, 34 million, and he's got an opt out after the first year. So it'll be interesting to watch him and see how how productive he is. Yeah, that uh, 
that that knee injury for Hoskins, I think that took place in uh, spring training. He was running the bases and a weird uh, weird sort of play running between short and third, and and sort of uh, wound up uh, you know just tearing the knee ligament. And uh, I, I remember that just being sort of a, a devastating injury for the the Phillies because he was uh, he was a leader there for them. He was he was somebody that they sort of looked to uh, in that clubhouse, uh, but. Uh, now they've got right Bryce Harper playing first base full time, and you know that's uh, not 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 a lot of people are going to move Bryce Harper off of whatever position he decides he's going to play. Yeah, definitely. And uh, so uh, you know the Milwaukee, you know, had some problems scoring runs last season. So a healthy uh, uh, Reese Hoskins, Hoskins is going to help them for sure. Yeah, that's uh, definitely. All right. Uh, last night, the Greater Cleveland Sports Awards took place downtown at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. Uh, I was there uh, following around new Guardians manager Stephen Vogt. He presented the Professional Athlete of the Year Award. Uh, the nominees were Miles Garrett, uh, Donovan Mitchell, and Josh Naylor. Uh, and, uh, you know, while Naylor certainly uh, deserving of uh, all the accolades he's uh, received in this, this offseason, he was named the BBWA chapters uh, Bob Feller Man of the Year uh, in back in November. Uh, but uh, it was Miles Garrett that won the Professional Athlete of the Year. Uh, vote was there to present the award to him. Uh, and then, uh, you know, afterwards, uh, he, he had had a long day of sort of walking around, uh, uh, talking to radio stations, uh, visiting all sorts of places all over Cleveland. Uh, so he did not speak to the media uh, at the event uh, yesterday. Uh, however, I did get a few minutes to just sit down, talk to him, uh, get to know him a little bit, and uh, and and uh, you know ask him about how uh, how things are going back home with uh, with his family. Uh, you know his wife's uh, you know a basketball coach and, and that kind of thing. Uh, just a, a great opportunity to to sort of get to know the guy as uh, this was a busy week for him with guards fest and, you know, it can, it can seem a, a little overwhelming. I think, uh, if you're not somebody like Tito, who's done it, uh, you know, a hundred times, uh, Steven vote, definitely a guy who can handle the media, uh, can handle the spotlight. But, uh, but you could tell, uh, by the end of the evening last night, after presenting that award, uh, that, that he had been run pretty ragged over the last, uh, five to seven days. <laughs> That's for sure, Joe. I mean, he's going to be glad to get to spring training and, uh, you know, just uh, where every day is like Groundhog's Day. You know, you, the long, hours are long, but he's doing what he's paid. He's getting paid to do, you know, managing a ball club, developing a ball club, putting a ball club together. So I'm sure that's where his his thoughts are right now. You know, one of the, the things that uh, that Steven said uh, while he was presenting the award, he was interviewed by uh, Holly Rowe, who was the MC. Uh, she's from ESPN and a, a, a fantastic sideline reporter there. Um, and, and she asked him about the approach that he used to get the, the job, the interview process and the, uh, the approach that he used, uh, you know, in talking to the Guardians and, and uh, you know, what they sort of found appealing about him. Um, and he said, you know, and this is a quote from him. He says, I ask a lot of questions. I'm very curious I want to learn. I learn fast. And fortunately, the Guardians organization is filled with incredible people with great skill sets. So if I don't have an answer, which I don't have many, uh, I'll be able to find that answer really quickly and depend on the people around me to do the job. 
And and that sort of goes along with the the theme of 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 what we've heard from Stephen Vogt from from day one of his pre, uh, introductory press conference. Uh, you know, he might not have all the answers right now, uh, but he's certainly going to work hard to find them and and learn and learn quickly uh, once he's on the job as as a full time manager. Uh, yeah, I think uh, he's he's a curious guy. You know, he's he's prepared for this job, Joe. Uh, you know, he wasn't the best player uh, in his during his career, but he listened. You know, you talk to uh, the managers he played for, Tori Lavulo and uh, Bob Melvin, uh, to name a couple, and they they noticed right away that this guy had had his eyes set on a managerial career after he was done playing. He was always asking, you know, different kind of questions. He was asking about strategy. Um, you know, he, he was interested in the front office, how the front offices of different teams worked. Uh, and this was all, you know, pointed toward this day where he became uh, a big league manager. And it, and it happened fast, Joe. I mean, obviously he played 10 years in the big leagues, but uh, the transition from player to 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 uh, a bullpen coach, which he was in uh, Seattle, uh, to a manager happened in what in two years. So uh, you know this is really going to be exciting for him, and it's going to be a test for him. Uh, speaking of guys that will be tested as uh, managers, uh, the Guardians announced their player development staff assignments uh, earlier today. Uh, no big surprise, Andy Tracy. Uh, back for his fourth season as manager of the Col- uh, Columbus Clippers uh, at AAA. Uh, he's joined by Owen Dew and Junior Batances uh, as the pitching and hitting coaches, respectively, uh, and Daniel Robertson uh, as the bench coach uh, there. Um, you know, just to have that uh, consistency, especially with as many young players on the major league roster as they have, who would have all just recently been with Andy Tracy at uh, at AAA? You know, uh, you know what's that mean for the organization or for the club to to be able to have Tracy back and and in place for his fourth season there? I think that's that's key, Joe. You know, the AAA a manager's job is really a tough job. Uh, you've got young kids coming up that that are eager to get a, a, a shot at at the big leagues. You've got you know big league guys coming down when they get optioned that are you know kind of have their head down and are moping around, and you've got to keep those guys pointed in the right direction. And to have that you know that same voice year after year is is a good thing and a stabilizing force. You know, just over the last two to three seasons, uh, you know, we found out from Tito just how important the relationship between the big league manager and the AAA manager is uh, when so many of these young guys were were being promoted and and coming up and and being needed at the big league level. You know, Tito didn't hesitate to get on the phone with Andy Tracy and call him and say, hey, tell me the truth. Is this guy ready? What am I what's you know, what do I need to know about? You know, some of these young guys, because for for most of them, Tito didn't even, uh, you know, see very many of them until, uh, you know, they were up at at, at, at the big league level. It, it was, you know, any more than he you know, a few days at spring training or in camp just to get to know him and say, say, hi, how you doing? He needed to get the background on some of these guys. And, and Andy Tracy was that conduit uh, that that really sort of uh, helped Tito prepare uh, for the arrivals of some of these young pitchers and uh, even some, you know, guys like Stephen Kwan and, and uh, you know, when Andres Jimenez had to go down and, and get straightened out and come back up. So, 
you know, it, it's a very important relationship with that AAA manager. Yeah, and uh, you know, Tito had the same with uh, Mancelino when he was the uh, the mm-hmm. AAA manager. And uh, you have to have that trust. You have to have that ability to communicate. And, uh, you know, just uh, that honest uh, communication between uh, two managers where, you know, where this guy, you know, Andy Tracy has seen these guys day in and day out. He knows where they could fit. You know, he's had big league experience. He knows where, where they could help, might might help on on a big league club. So that's really, really important, Joe. Yeah, at Double uh, A Akron, uh, where Ruglis Odor uh, leaves as the the all-time winningest manager in, in Rubber Ducks history. Uh, he's now on the big league staff. He's going to be the third base coach. Uh, Greg Desenzo, uh, after a couple of seasons uh, as the, the bench coach in Columbus uh, or in 2023, uh, he goes back to Akron, and now he takes over as the manager. Uh, Desenzo will be uh, helped out by uh, Jordan Baker as the hitting coach. Uh, Cody Bacall as the pitching coach and uh, a, a name on the uh, the coaching roster there uh, that you might uh, find interesting. Amanda Kamakona. Uh, she's the uh, uh, assistant hitting coach now in Akron. Uh, she'd been working with hitters out in uh, Arizona uh, for a while, but now uh, now she moves over to uh, uh, the double A uh, assistant hitting coach position. Uh, and, and there's a, uh, you know, a, a female on field coach for uh for the Cleveland Guardians uh, system. Yeah, Joe, she joined the organization last year, uh, softball player, uh, you know, really highly regarded. Um, and she's, you know, great amateur background. Uh, so, and so this is, this is a great move uh, for the organization. Um, and, and uh, hopefully, uh, you know, things work out for her. I mean, you know, this, they, I don't think uh, they would move her up you know, to double A unless she was, she was doing good work. So, uh, congratulations to her. Uh, Amir Santos and, uh, Jordan Smith will, uh, manage, uh, high A Lake County and class A Lynchburg, uh, as well. So, uh, you know, a couple other names, uh, to mention, uh, Andrew Romine, uh, becomes the, um, bench coach of the Arizona, um, complex league team. Uh, this is a guy who had a, an 11 year big league career and now uh, comes over to the uh, the coaching side of things. Yeah, that's interesting. This is going to be his first year as a professional coach. You know, he bounced around. He played for the Angels, the the Tigers, Seattle, Texas, the Cubs. You know, he's a utility infielder and his brother. Uh, you know, played was a catcher for a long time as well. I think he caught for about 11 years. So, you know, that's a baseball family. And uh, hopefully he brings some of that knowledge uh, to the younger uh, players in Cleveland's organization. Yeah, it's uh, really, uh, you know, a good uh, mix of uh, of new new faces and and returning talent on that player development uh, uh, staff. And, and, you know, hopefully they. They get the Guardians, uh, keep the Guardians moving in the right direction uh, as the, uh, you know, you hear so much about uh, the pitching factory and, you know, how good the, the, the player development staff has has been over the last several years. And mostly we heard that from Tito, but uh, this is the this is the group of people that that really does that work behind the scenes that that gets the guys ready for their debuts in the big leagues. Uh, all right, Hoinsey, that's going to wrap it up for uh, today's edition of the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. We'll check back in with you on Thursday.
Good deal, Joe.